Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, a podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it's now the fourth day of June 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this leaning against a pole at Bob Hope Airport in Burbank, California, the birthplace of former Atlanta Braves catcher Biff Pokoroba. Once again, got a late flight. Once again, found out that I cannot rent a car because I'm too late. I will never understand the concept of closing a rental car place when there are still flights coming in, especially one where they, they know you have a reservation. You think they would want to do that. They think you would want to have customers. But hey, I don't run these businesses. I'm going to catch a cab pretty soon. Um, I'm recording this now. I'm not going to have any time to do a podcast tomorrow, and I had a podcast all ready to go. But obviously, you can't just ignore when something huge happens. Even if it doesn't happen in the world of baseball, there, there are ways that it's tangentially connected. And we lost Muhammad Ali today. I'm record- As I said, I'm recording this Saturday night. So we lost him a few hours ago. That was his name, Muhammad Ali. If you're one of these people, I've seen, already seen a few people who are, insist on calling him Cassius Clay. Uh, no, he was Muhammad Ali. His birth name was Cassius Clay. He's Muhammad Ali. And... Even though I'm not clear, I've said this before, I've said this many times, I am not a religious man, I am not a a spiritual man by that sense, but I do respect people's religion, I do respect people's religious identities, and certainly Ali was someone who converted and lived by a way of life and a way of his faith that... I have even a, a unbelieving heathen like myself has to admire his devotion and his faith. And so, if you find yourself insisting on calling him Cassius Clay, ask yourself why you're doing that. And ask yourself if that's a sign of respect for someone who passed and sign of respect to someone who lived a life of substance. Lived a life where he used his fame in a substantive way. He was someone who obviously was an incredibly charismatic uh, boxer, obviously was an incredibly good boxer, but he also put his money where his mouth was. He had his title stripped from based upon his beliefs in Vietnam. He did the conversion to Islam in a time when, well, it's not popular now, obviously, and it probably wasn't any more popular then. And he was outspoken in a time when you were not supposed to do that. You were not supposed to do that at all. Now, of course, if you could imagine what someone like Muhammad Ali today, in today's climate, he would probably be you know, Fox News would probably make him the the public enemy number one, and he would be, anytime he would say anything, the Twitterverse would explode with all sorts of, you know, stick to boxing, stick to boxing. 
and I'm sure in the way that they were doing it, uh, you know, the way that people were complaining back in the 60s and 70s, oh, I'm sure they were doing that in their own way. Of course there's a train going by when I'm trying to get this podcast in. Eh, I'm not going to cut that out. But he was someone who, you know, to talk about the greatest boxer of all, I can't, I don't know enough. I, I don't know if about boxing, quite frankly. I never saw him fight. I mean, he was over the hill by the time I knew, you know, who he was. And yet, and yet, I knew who he was. There was a Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic when I was a kid. There was a Muhammad Ali cartoon when I was a kid. He was ubiquitous. He was one of these people who you understood there was something special about him, even if you didn't understand all the things he stood for and all the things he fought for and all the places that he tried to shine a light of at least awareness and justice in his lifetime. And you're starting to think about, like, who are the people at his level in the history of sports? And, and there are very few. And, I mean, you can look at... I mean, Pele, um, Michael Jordan, uh, don't, uh, probably Tiger Woods at his peak, Billie Jean King. Um, you're really hard-pressed to come up with a list of people who reached that level where it was beyond just they were the best in their sport. But they became something bigger. They became something that transcended the sport, that transcended the culture, that transcended their simply the ability of being very good at their sport, but representing something else and something greater. Now, who in baseball has ever reached that, that pinnacle? I mean, the, I can think of three, possibly four. The, four. the four that immediately came to mind of the people who would have reached the level of iconography where it was more than just being a great player, that they, were, they, they represented a greatness and a standard that went above and beyond the sport. Uh, Babe Ruth obviously has to be there. I mean, the fact that Babe Ruth is still an instantly recognizable person in our culture and that his name is synonymous with being the best and being a person who represented the, you know, he represented America of the 1920s. He hasn't, he, Babe Ruth played his last game in 1935. And he stunk that year. 1935. That's not recent. He's been dead since 1948. That's not recent. And yet, I show his picture to my kids, who are not exactly the biggest baseball fans in the world. And they're like, oh, that's Babe Ruth. When you've reached that 
level where you've pierced the, the, the consciousness and the awareness of the culture beyond just fandom. I mean, this is not like, you know, talking about Tony Quinn as great as he was and as beloved as he was by baseball fans. When he died, we baseball fans mourned him because we loved him and we thought he was great and he was an absolutely magnetic baseball player who we all just wanted, we just wanted to be there, we wanted to still be alive and be part of our lives. But outside the world of baseball, I said, hey, Tony Quinn died. Wait, who? Wait, what? You know, it's the, the level that, you know, Michael Jordan rose in basketball. You know, this isn't like Carl Malone, who was an outstanding player, one of the best in, in basketball history. But Jordan was a player of a higher level, like Ali. Now, the other three that I'll say in baseball, man, it could be as many as four others. I'll say all of them because they're, they're worth bringing up because they, they became people who meant more. They're, obviously, their greatness was felt, but they meant more than just being a great player. They represented a possibility. They represented a level of excellence that could be... You know that we can point to and say that's that is an iconic level, and they're doing something more than being just a great player. I mean Willie Mays. Again, he's someone who hasn't played since 1973, and he was bad in 1973. I was one year old. I was a one-year-old baby. I'm not a baby anymore. And yet, what Willie Mays meant to baseball, that he was the best, that he was the best player in baseball. And to understand what that meant, to have it be universally accepted that the best player not just in the league, not just the MVP of a year, not just the MVP of a decade, but the person that we point to and say, yeah, they're the best ever, was someone who would have not have been able to play in Major League Baseball just, jeez, six years before his debut? that it would not have even have been a possibility that his excellence, the fact that he played at a level, that he played in the Negro Leagues, and then when he came to the National League with the, the Giants, that he played at a level that had not been matched, that we had to, we as a culture, had to accept the fact that not only was he someone who could play alongside the level of major league players? So that had always been the knock of, well, are they better? Are they as good? You know, do they just have natural ability? Are they really as good as the white players? That the greatest that we ever saw 
was someone who was banished. And that he played in a way that we never, we never saw, that, that, that nobody did everything like him. Hit for power, hit for average, had speed, had defense, and intelligence. His baseball IQ was off the charts. There wasn't an aspect of his game that wasn't the best. And what he represented was a level of excellence that had been, that was carrying the torch for the people who could not have played before. The Oscar Charlestons, the Josh Gibsons, the Ray Dandridges, the Turkey Stearns of the world, who were denied entrance for simply the color of their skin. Now, of course, Jackie Robinson has to be one of those iconic players as well. And the fact that what he did in piercing the expectations and beyond being the player that we saw in the movie 42, who took the slings and arrows, but was a fighter as well. Let me get, to Jack, get back to Jackie in a second. I'd have to put Hank Aaron in there as well because of what he fought against and what he, the pressure and the anger that he felt of supplanting Ruth, being the final reminder of the injustice of the Negro Leagues and becoming the greatest home run hitter of all time in the face of anger, in the face of being a black man in the South defeating Babe Ruth and the image of the two men running alongside him in Atlanta, which now those two guys would have been you know, shot by snipers, but they're running alongside him as a moment of happiness and exaltation and what that meant to the game, what that meant to our progression, which we've obviously has a, have a long way to go. We're obviously not there yet. But what Hank Aaron meant as a man of substance, as a player of substance, I believe puts him at least in the conversation, but of course not nearly as large as what Ali was. The other player I would say would be Clemente. And what he meant to a different community, to the Latin community, that he was someone who was not afraid of his heritage, did not anglicize his name, he would not be called Bobby, he, would not be, he was not afraid to speak Spanish in his interviews, he was not afraid to be the leader of the pirates, and that became something very clear and unusual in the 60s and 70s, that a dark-skinned Latin player was the leader. Remember, it was very, I mean, again, as we're seeing, we, we have long ways to go in our relations today. 
But at the time, if, especially because you know, one of the projects I'm working on is a book about 1972, and which was the end of Jackie Robinson, who I'm going to get back to, and the end of Roberto Clemente. It became a... It was just commonplace when you would write about a player of Latin descent in the sports pages that you would basically mock their broken English, that you would write what they're saying phonetically, that you would p kind of poke fun at them struggling with the language, as if all of us, if we went to Puerto Rico or we went to the Dominican Republic and you didn't speak Spanish, that you wouldn't sound like a jackass. And to have the leader of the team be someone who didn't speak English or didn't have English as their first language spat in the face of the narrative that they couldn't be leaders, that they were kind of dumb. They were always portrayed as, well, they're not that smart. They can't even speak English. You know, they're, they're kind of lazy. And you see even remnants of that today when you hear about people, oh, are they playing the game the right way? Oh, are they playing it lackadaisically? Oh, Robinson Cano doesn't even run it out. He doesn't even care. You hear shit like that all the time, and it has roots in it. It may not be intentional. It may even be something you're doing subconsciously, but it's a bunch of crap. And it's the sort of thing that when Clemente, who was a, such a man of substance, you remember how he died, bringing the supplies to people who needed help on New Year's Eve in Nicaragua, and the plane crashed into the Gulf of Mexico. These are people who lived and played by example, who made the world better by their existence. Now, the person that Ali became, and the person that he that, that he used his strength, he used his athleticism, he used his talents, he used his charisma to make the world better, or at least to push the world in a way that he felt would be better. It's probably the best way to phrase it. I think you can find a direct link to Ali and Jackie Robinson. One of the things that has kind of... Uh, made me shake my head in the way Jackie has been portrayed in popular culture and in that movie with the 42 that came out a few years ago and how he has been portrayed. He's not been portrayed as a fighter. He's been portrayed as a Christ-like martyr who took the slings and arrows and took all the abuse and took it without fighting back. Well, remember, he only did that for two years. After two years, he fought back. And after two years, he spoke his mind. And after two years, he was unhinged. He was released. He was the true fighting man who was his personality and fought for justice, fought for equality, fought for identity. Right up until the day he died. He died, he gave a speech where even when he was being honored, at the World Series in 1972, lamented that there was, in his speech that was played in the overhead and the, the, the public address system at Riverfront Stadium, 
pointing out that, that there are no black managers, that there are no black general managers, there's no black people in ownership, that there's still progress that needs to be made to don't be complacent, to keep pushing forward. Jackie led to Ali. Jackie being someone who was able to walk the walk. He was able to do, play the game and play it at the highest level, the MVP of the National League in 1949, but then use that fame to make real progress. He got angry at some of his teammates, Roy Campanella specifically, for not being more of a fighter for not being someone who would be willing to rock the boat. Rocking the boat could sometimes be important. Shaking the expectations and making people question themselves is important to do. Jackie did that and paved the way for a person like Ali to do that. Now, can there ever be another Jackie? Can there ever be another Ali? Of course there can be. Of course there can be. It could be a pioneer in sports. It could be someone who forces us to change the, point of the, the common point of view on people. You know, when, whether it's someone who's openly gay, or whether it's a, a Muslim, or whether it's someone from the Middle East, someone who is some, a person who changes the narrative within the game. Or it could be someone who is the best and is charismatic and uses their fame to try to make the world better. We are absolutely prime for a Jackie, for an Ali in the world of sports right now. That's someone who is willing to speak their mind Someone who's willing to push buttons, not worry who they piss off. And at the end, when you take two steps back in their life, you can observe them and say, they use their fame properly. You know, I, their harsh words are said from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, someone who is maybe not at Ali's level, but someone who was truly great at his sport, truly famous, and has done his best to live a life of substance and force people to look at the world and look at life in a different way. You know, he had harsh words to say about some of the NBA superstars, and, you know, especially Michael Jordan, someone who could have been that kind of a leader, and you know, I think he insinuated that Jordan wanted to get rich rather than to be a better person. I'm not going to judge I'm not going to say that you should do one thing or the other, but I'm saying that it is possible to see someone reach that iconic level, someone in baseball to reach that iconic level, and reach a level where you say, wow, that's more than just an athlete, that's more than just a ball player, that's someone who went above and beyond baseball or above and beyond their sport and was a difference maker. It's possible. And it will happen. To say that we'll never see an Ali again, no, we will. It won't exactly be Ali, just like Ali wasn't exactly Jackie. 
just like Jackie wasn't exactly Joe Lewis, like Joe Lewis wasn't exactly Babe Ruth. There will always be someone. There will be someone who reaches that point. And for baseball's sake, I hope it's a baseball player. That I hope that's the level of fame and that's the level of substance that we can see in a great star. It's probably not someone whose name we know just yet. I don't think we're going to see that out of Mike Trout or Bryce Harper or Andrew McCutcheon, who are all fine stars and MVPs and superstars and terrific and represent the game well and everything. But there will be someone, maybe this year, maybe in 10 years, someone will emerge. The times cause it. We saw the Times created Ruth, the Times created Jackie, the Times created Ali. And we all take a look at the Times right now. It is ripe for someone to be a great star in sports and be someone of substance. I hope it's a baseball player. It just would make this podcast a little more interesting to do. I have no idea who won baseball yet because I haven't looked. I think Seeger hit three home runs for L.A., so I think he's a pretty safe bet that he'll own baseball. But what you should do is you go to MLBReports.com to check out the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Uh, go to Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes. Uh, go to Instagram. The old school send me an email at info at The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for what the hell day is it? It is these. Uh, is it the fourth day of June, 2016? I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sullivan.